Welcome to Uprooted from Oakland. I am your host, Tony Fry, and a lot has happened since we last spoke. On Memorial Day, a joint session hearing was held to discuss the merits of the A's proposed bill for government funding of their stadium project. No official members of the A's organization were present to defend this bill, um, but the hearing was loaded with all the spin you'd expect in this situation. What we learned was that the new goal is to average 28,000 fans per game and that the shortfall between those numbers and the two and a half million annual guests that they are projecting uh, will be made up with a number of different events that are supposedly begging to host at the new stadium. Some of the um, the the events that were implied, but not specifically cited, they, they used their logos on a slide, but they didn't actually call them up by name in the presentation, um, included the World Baseball Classic, which is every four years and probably outgrew a 30,000 seat stadium after this year's tournament uh, and several WWE events that routinely attract over 50,000. They also cited the MLB all-star game, which is unlikely to play at a 30,000 seater, but if it did, it'd only be once a decade at best. So um, that seems unlikely. And as for concert acts, they would, they would rent it. It seems unlikely still. Because if I can sell at a 30,000-seat arena, I can probably also sell 40,000 seats. So I'd be better off to just rent Allegiant. Um, but if I'm not, uh, if I'm at that 12,000-seater, you know, down the strip, I may not be able to double my audience. For me, as a working musician who knows a thing or two about these types of things, a 40 or 45,000-seat venue would probably be a better bridge between the smaller venues and the larger ones. This one might be a little bit too small, but I digress. At the end of the day, Their numbers seem to be pulled out of thin air, and most of the commentary on this bill from the guys who helped draft it uh, relied on we hope or we believe and never really cited any real evidence or could back their their projection models up. Uh, When asked about how the job growth projections for Allegiant compared to the reality, um, their answer was that there was no way of knowing for sure, though one dissenting caller later in the hearing did claim that it was significantly less than proposed. When asked if the A's plan B was to go back to Oakland if they didn't get what they wanted in Las Vegas, the answer was no, they'll look at other cities. Now, this did not come from the man who's been working side by side with the uh, A's. He kind of hemmed and hawed a little bit, saying that, you know, that there was no plan B or whatever. This came from a guy who works for, I, I believe, Clark County, but possibly Nevada as a whole. So I don't know where he has this information, where the guy from Oakland doesn't. Um, but it was always obviously a lie. Uh, I understand why they said it, but it's still a lie. They have no leverage in this situation, neither in Las Vegas or Oakland. So, of course, they need to give the illusion that they're all in for the strip. Um, but the fact of the matter is they don't have the time or resources to begin this again in another city. And until the Nevada governor signs this bill, they're still closer to a deal in Oakland than anywhere else. So to say Oakland's off the table is just not in this realm of reality. Um, As of right this very minute, the bill has not been voted out of either committee. We've been hearing all day from one reporter who admits that their source is credible but unconfirmed, um, uh, that there is an approval for the bill, but that doesn't mean anything. It just means that the both sides have agreed on stuff. Um, But also tonight, a Nevada assemblywoman said that there was no such approval and the talks continued. So once it's voted out of each committee, it will have to get a vote from each house. And there it has the potential that it gets sent back to committee for amendments before that can happen. So who knows where all this takes us? It's very possible movement on this will happen while we're recording tonight. 
Nobody knows. Dave Cavill and John Fisher were seen at the state capitol yesterday, um, presumably ironing out concessions for legislatures that are on the fence still. Um, which brings me to a slight side gripe. I tweeted out that Fisher wouldn't be there if they were confident that they had the votes, um, you know, to, to get this bill passed. To which a couple lovely folks on Twitter acted like I was an idiot and said, he's there to seal the deal and to get it over the finish line. Yeah, that's not different from what I said. Uh, one thing this whole process is exposed is that some folks on Twitter just have a knee-jerk contrarian reflex that they don't even know they're making the same argument sometimes. But that's a tangent for another podcast, I suppose. Anyway, during um, yesterday's totally not because they don't have the votes meeting, it was reported that Fisher is floating the idea of a four o'clock game time instead of seven so as not to compete with other entertainment offerings on the strip. This is, in a word, stupid. Uh, just a few days ago, his reps told Nevada lawmakers that they expect 70% of their 28,000 daily visitors to be locals, but now they're going to char uh, change game times to cater to the tourists. This will be bad for locals, probably won't sway tourists, and I have to imagine it's going to have a negative impact on their potential broadcasting deal to be done with games before primetime even starts, right? With these shorter game times especially, they'll be done by 6 o'clock. All of this, every move they made, every pivot they've taken, every concession they've agreed to reeks of desperation and short-sightedness. If your idea was so good and your numbers were so strong, you wouldn't need to be giving away everything uh, you've got just to get this done. You know, I think the fact is they're so afraid of the embarrassment of having to open up talks with Oakland again that at this point they're just sucking it up, the embarrassment in Las Vegas, assuming that it will be a shorter-lived embarrassment. Um, and that homelessness assistance initiative that was baked into the bill to show how the A's were going to have a tangible positive impact on the community, they don't have to pay a dime into that fund for at least 15 years, not until the bonds are 51% paid off. And it was revealed at the hearing that the money will go in that, uh, that will go into that fund will only happen if the A's surpass expectations. You know, legislatures were asking about it, and they, they literally said if the A's surpass expectations. How are they supposed to surpass expectations when you've got 81 near sellouts as the expectation? I mean, sure, maybe a postseason run would help, but you can't bank on that, and you certainly can't put it in your projections. So just with the numbers they have on paper, it's nearly impossible for the A's to surpass anything. And in fact, they'll probably underperform once the honeymoon period of a new stadium wanes and Las Vegas is left with baseball's lowest payroll. There's a lot happening. There's a lot to be upset about, but it's not over yet. Um, if you want to vent your frustrations with me, join me as a guest on a future show. Um, you can hit me with the DMs and I'll get you all the information. But if you'd like to share some happy thoughts, uh, reminisce about the good old days, I'll be hosting an A's fan video scrapbook kind of thing on June 12th, which is the night before the reverse boycott. So we're just going to put out good vibes that week. Um, more info of that will come out soon, um, but all are welcome to join. I just want it to be kind of an open house, and we'll get as many people on this live stream as we can, share a story or a message to other A's fans, and have a moment of positivity. Um, I hope you'll consider saying a few words on that show. Like I said, there will be more information on that uh, as we get closer. Today, I'm joined by Mr. John English and Josh here, and we've got a lot to talk about. First, you guys, did either of you watch the uh, entirety of the hearings or any portion of it? I did all eight hours and 23 minutes of it. Wow. 
wow <laughs> i had no intention to i was like i'll just pop in and, and watch their presentation and then go and then the comments started and it's like well i guess i'm in it now seemed like uh this we have to bear witness you know and to bear witness you have to make the effort i think one man's opinion what were your thoughts overall on the presentation that the a's representatives gave I mean, you saw what you saw. You saw that the unions, the culinary union, all the unions will be for anything. You could walk in there and say, we're going to build a 700-foot porta potty right north of the Strip, and everyone's just going to dive into the porta potty and it's going to be great. There's going to be 75 trillion zillion jobs created, and the Chamber of Commerce and the unions will nod their heads uh, you know, and drool, whatever it is, a stadium. A giant porta potty, another casino. Builders build. That's what they want to do. They make money from it, even in the temporary short term that this is going to provide uh, when if when and if this is ever built there. So what I saw, what you all saw, was the unions that spent to make short term income from it are all over it, and everybody else is like, oh hell no. What what really is jarring to me um, is the. The fact that there is so much baked into all of this that hasn't been laid out or, you know, we saw the cobbled together uh, artwork of the proposed stadium. All of these things that are so uncertain or so implausible the way they've been presented. Um, and yet the dishonesty across the board, it, you know, construction related unions and things like that getting behind it, they see right off the bat that this is hogwash. I mean, there's no way that they can look at that and not spot all the things, all the same issues that lay people like us in terms of the construction industry um, or in terms of the larger stadium, you know, size construction industry are seeing the moment we look at these renderings that were presented. So that's what's puzzling to me is that uh, the dishonesty, the implausibility, and yet everybody's just ready to roll forward um, in terms of the folks that the A's have managed to line up behind this charade. It's just, it's, absurd and i'm really wondering when mlb or anybody involved in this is going to step up and say hey wait a minute that kind of looks like you just slapped the coliseum dimensions onto a you know <laughs> onto a photoshop job and and are calling it a new thing it, it just is puzzling to me well the thing is M mlb won't step in because it seems to be working you know if the yeah. rumors are true and they've got an agreement why would mlb step in they're getting what they want out of this Mm -hmm. um, What's what seems so telling that no one has said yet, which is kind of shocking to me, kind of bare bones, basic stuff, which is what happened last night with the Padres, which is Bally's bailed out at the last minute and left them holding the broadcast. And this is who MLB is going to give public money to is going to front for this broke billionaire to build on the Las Vegas Strip with that corporation that has businesses going out of business that relate to MLB implicitly left and right. It's Seems actually not to me. the the Bally's that does the broadcasting is actually Sinclair Group, which is like this big media conglomerate. They just license the Bally's name. So that's not technically Bally's doing it. Not that I'm a big fan of Bally's or anything like that, but it is just too, interesting. You know, it is two different like companies entirely. You know? One of the optics of building on a casino that is going to own the land and the building and all that kind of stuff for a team, for a sport that has been anti-gambling for 
so long. And in the last years, it started to embrace it a little bit more. And then now it's just like, well, you can't say you're even remotely against it. You're going to put it right in the gambling capital of the world. You know? Well, we were joking. You know, you saw on Twitter. He could have slots at second base, roulette in left field, and he can put Pete Rose in charge of it all. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Let's go all the way. I mean, you almost you almost have to have him throw out the first pitch the first opening day, right? Yeah, he could just do it where they have a slot, you know, just pull the lever, the one-armed bandit, yeah. and the ball can just shoot towards Yeah, I mean, if they're going to go for it, go for it. You're going to be able to bet on these games feet away from where one of these games is going to be being played at that moment. The thing that, that – What could that, go wrong, right? right? The thing that you brought up, Josh, with regards to, to Bally's – Tony clarified on the uh, with regards to the Bally's name and the licensing, it still remains that this is just – a, a really clear portrait of the clown show that is Rob Manfred's rule over MLB. The fact that we've got less than 24 hours notice that a, you know, carrier of one of your highest profile teams games is, you know, abandoning ship and you've got to scramble to figure it out. And then I saw that MLB uh, is going to charge extra for the streaming uh, rights to consumers in the San Diego market, you're going to, you're, you know, you're still blacked out technically. If that's the only place, it's just absolutely absurd. And Rob Manfred, if, if there were any kind of structure uh, to, um, if there were any kind of setup in the way that we've seen in decades past, uh, or if he were an employer of any anybody's company, realistically, he would be out of a job. Well, I don't see how in 20, was it 17, 18, mm -hmm. a president of a multi, of a global sports brand that's renowned and somewhat beloved in the wider world can walk out in front of a press conference with renderings, with numbers, with projections, with transportation study. And then the next day, Peralta College comes on and says, we don't know anything about this. Yeah. How does that person that trotted that out in front of the whole world have a job the next day? Very suspicious. I, I said it to somebody, and I might have been on this podcast. I talk about this so much now, I can't keep it straight. But I said, Dave Cavill is good at getting on first base. Right. He got he got the job as the president. He endeared himself to the fans with the cosmetic improvements he was doing to the Coliseum and all that kind of stuff. And open office hours. There was a ton of things that he did that made you think, well, this is definitely a step up from Lou Wolf, which, you know, that's a low bar in the first place. Right. But he does not know how to continue around the bases. And now he's at third and he's just standing on third with John Fisher, who was born there. So you've got Cavill, who doesn't know how to run the bases past first base and Fisher, who doesn't understand how the game works because he was born almost finished, you know, and now they're both sitting there trying to get home at the same time and they just have no idea what to do. You know, it's you like know. I've said it a thousand times to your point, Josh. It's like if if he was in any other kind of business. He would have been out 15 failures ago, yeah. but if you take away the treehouse. I guess that's it. If you take away the treehouse, he hasn't had a success yet. Azal access was a success. That was Chris Giles. They outed him. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like everything Cavill's touched has either underperformed or been a colossal failure. And that Laney thing should have been such an embarrassment for John Fisher. If he had any shame at all, that should have been the end of it. 
you went out there and trotted out, like you said, renderings and had a big old deal about it and said it was the best, the best they could do. It was the best spot in Oakland for it. And then didn't even ask for permission first. And it's, it's almost just, like he's doing the same thing in Vegas now. It just happens to be kind of working out in Vegas. Well, they, they have planted the seed. You know, the, Vegas is hot for sports. You know, they know yeah. that if of all the cities, even the ones that are open for expansion, like Montreal, like Nashville, like Portland, like San Antonio, what have you, Charlotte, that Vegas is so hot for it and so able to point to recent success they never had sports teams there before the population of las vegas in 1961 was like 2000 people i read this the other day yeah so this is the last 60 years have produced las vegas as a kind of uh, megalopolis you know uh, i don't know if any of you have ever flown over las vegas and you see how the border of it just extends in every direction to black mm -hmm. desert around this glowing neon uh, uh, spectacle place or what have you. Uh, I got to do that uh, in 2011 or 2010, back about 10, 15 years ago. And it's very telling, very educational. Um, I wanted to talk about the numbers and to really speak to uh, Tony's idea of that any and all numbers produced by this ownership in the last 18 years are deliberately and demonstrably false. And I want to start with, we spent $200 million trying to stay in Oakland. And Oakland comes out today and says they only build us for 2 million folks. Every single turn where there's an abil ability to manufacture propaganda, absolute subsidy capitalist propaganda, they've seized it. And this is not recent. This is on and on, back through before Cavill ever came, before before when it was Lou Wolf, when it was small market, we can't compete here. Your facility has always been connected to 20 million homes by airport, by rail, by freeway, and by bus, by every conceivable mode of human transportation. Small market is a metaphor. It's code. I don't even want to say for what, but it's always been code. So I want to speak about the numbers, and I want to, you know, just really make the point that whatever they're trotting out in front of those people right now as we speak, as we're talking, has to be so greasy, has to be so flying in the face of the voiced constituent wishes that we've seen, the thing polls 80-20, forget it, right? That they has to be so greasy that even these politicians that are going to approve this possibly that even they must be getting a taste somehow. Well, you know what I think? I'm going to say it. I think he's selling the, the uh, negotiable tax credits from this to whoever is going to go his way on it. Corrupt and sick as that is, I'm going to say it. I mean, it's possible. That's, that's what they're there for is for him to sell them. Uh, he can only – I think there's limits on how much he can – because he's getting them. You don't get them all at once or something. But I definitely think that whole $200 million thing or 250 or whatever the number is now – I don't doubt that they've spent a lot, but what bothers me about those numbers most is that they're never the same, right? Yeah. The whole Oakland thing today, they, if you don't know, they updated uh, a page on their website that, that broke down basically everything that the Oakland, the city of Oakland has done for the A's um, since this whole thing started in 2016 or 17 or whatever it's been. 
And one of the things that they mentioned was that um, the A's are saying that they've spent $250 million or whatever it is on, on this whole project at Howard Terminal and that Oakland has billed them for eight. And that's not the, that's not the red herring that um, some people think, because that is one factor of all the stuff they've paid for is just, that's just specific to the city. They also had to spend for the EIR, which I've seen estimates that it was 30 million, but nobody's confirmed that. So that takes it to 38 million. And at one point, Cavill said to me, we're spending $2 million a month. So I don't know how you, that, that takes you, if we're going from 2017 to now, that takes you over $200 million, right? That's yeah. No, no, it doesn't. No, um, 24 a year. Not, yeah. Another, another 60. Well, yeah. well, okay. 2 million. Um, uh, yeah. Another 120 million. Roughly. So, so that doesn't, that doesn't really add up. He said, he said 200 million, 230 million, 2 million a month. So, I mean, there's a lot of money that's getting spent. I think a lot of it went into um, lawyers for litigation because they did get sued by stuff, you know, surrounding that, which they knew what was going to happen. There was lobbyists that they had to, to pay for because there was legislation actually passed in California. That's the other thing that ticks me off is they knew how to do this right in California, mm-hmm. you know, which is supposed to be this hellscape for getting anything done. But they got the legislation passed. They got the EIR done. They got it certified they got all this work done in california you know so they knew how to do it right they didn't try to get any of it done at the 11th hour you know they're, they're looking at a midnight deadline for some budget signing tonight for in, in nevada and the a's are still fighting this at the end of their session so i mean but all that money if you take all the little things that he said over the years it's tough to get to any number that he's thrown out there even if you start rationalizing, well, they probably spent here because they haven't put it into marketing. They've done no fan. I mean, they did some um, uh, surveys. Uh, what do they call them? Focus groups early on in this. So that cost them some money, but they haven't done any kind of marketing or campaigning to build up goodwill in the East Bay for this project. They haven't even marketed the team, let alone this project. Well, they haven't so, marketed the team in 30 years. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but Yeah. <laughs> They haven't marketed the team since before uh, Shot Hoffman. But the team has marketed itself for those 20 years. Want to know why? Yeah. Because it's a story and it's beloved and is an integral, a sports brand, as will ever exist on the earth. That's why. Sad to say that we have to say that, but it's marketed itself because whatever you look at in the last 50 years, we must never forget this. As the history of this brand is potentially sacrificed on the altar of John Fisher's ego and not wanting to be outed at having lost all his money in COVID, not being able to pay for our terminal anymore, we must never, never, never forget. Whenever we, I'm never going to watch another baseball game, but if we do, we must never forget that when we see cotton uniforms, when we see players with beards down to their belts, when we see free agency, when we see the pitcher never hit, when we see drug tests, when we see every single sport on the face of the earth using analytic metrics to determine the most efficacious strategies, the Oakland Athletics did that. Uh John Fisher didn't. The team marketed itself. And beyond all that stuff, you just got weirdos and goofy stories and a mascot that was intended to be an insult and like all this is there's so much folklore 
going back 110 years, 120 years now, you know, surrounding this team back to its Philadelphia days. It just, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a charter franchise and, and it's moved plenty of times, you know, this will be, this would be the third relocation, but not many teams have moved three times. And I think this, the, the scenario around this move is very different than, than it was in, in the late sixties. And then prior to that going into Kansas city, it just all feels like it's going to hit different historically than any of those moves did. I think it might be the start of a wave of teams kind of copying this model when they don't get their way with a municipality that they've been a part of for a period of time. And really, really, this is kind of the Al Davis model when we when we look at just the nature of the constant threat of the team moving and then acting on it several times. I mean, they were going to go to Irwindale. They were going to go to, you know, when they're in L.A. And they're, you know, there there have been so many incidents uh with with the raiders uh over the years it 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 just it boggles the mind that and i i keep beating a dead horse but it boggles the mind to me that rob manfred and the other mlb owners and mlb as a unit is going to just allow this to happen around them with all the numbers not penciling out with all of the, you know, rotating uh, cast of characters and, and fake statistics that have been thrown out there that we've already talked about, all of these things to where none of it is, is an item that anybody can reasonably look at and say, yeah, this totally makes sense. They need to be in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. TV market being smaller, someone mentioned in the comments, uh, you know, uh, all, all of these things, every across the board, it's all wrong or all been quoted three different ways to where you don't know what the truth is and i I just don't understand how when we're talking about this much money how anybody involved is able to allow this to go forward without more inspection of exactly what's going on in the ace in the a's offices I think to your question earlier about why they don't step in, and I said because it's working, I think you just made a better point is that they should do it because it sets up precedent. And everybody says that Manfred works for the owners, so he's just going to bow to what they want. But this needs to be something, and I, I said this last week, it's his job to tell them what they want. It's his job as the steward of baseball as a sport and an enterprise. It's his job to tell them what they want. And so he needs to be convincing them this is a bad precedent we're setting. If we let this go, then when Baltimore has wants to do it, we just got to roll over and let Baltimore do it. And now we're just playing a shell game, moving teams all over the country. Uh, it's, it is a, a bad precedent. So for that, he should step in for sure. But like I said, I don't think he's going to do it because Vegas has given him what they want. But you make a good point there. It's a precedent. And there's, he's trying to set it because – I would like, if I really want to say what I really think, I think MLB as an entity is desperate. That's why they've put these insane pitch clocks and this and that and all this kind of altering, making the base bags bigger than, uh, you know, circus tents and whatnot. You know, constantly telegraphing that all is not well, that if these things have to change like this, then it's not, the projections aren't working out as a whole for all 30 teams. And, you know, based on what we're seeing of the 
of like, him to show up in Milwaukee and you know it's a Johnny Roselli monologue up there. It's it's him on the field saying, Hey, yeah, it's a pretty nice uh facility you got here, yeah. It'd be ashamed, you know, something happened to it, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So uh, you know, that's that's straight out of 1960 Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. That's straight out of the mob. And yeah, well, that, was, that, that was a weird move. And and it's absolutely so it, setting up their backup plan, whether it's for Las Vegas, whether it's for, you know, if the A's wind up going somewhere else and they, you know, they have some other city that they get hot to trot about, it's absolutely setting up their backup team that they're going to try to move somewhere. Um, Yeah. Okay. You know, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, let's not forget what the carrot is on the end of the stick here. And that's that that January twenty four, January twenty twenty four delicious luxury tax revenue sharing welfare check, that he issued an ultimatum that they have to have a quote unquote ballpark deal by January twenty twenty four. Right. Fisher doesn't get the revenue sharing check, and we must also I have to say this. No one ever says this, and I must say this. I don't want to have to say these things, but I have to. You have to. Say times are tough and desperate. And if they're going to play this way, I'm going to say the truth. The luxury tax and revenue sharing as a concept, as a thing in the world, was created in 2009 by Bud Selig, himself, the fraternity brother of the then majority owner of the Oakland Athletics, as a salve, as a chit, to say, here, have this money and try to be a little quieter about the Coliseum. It was created. This welfare that is so desperate now and this ballpark deal has to be in place so that Fisher can get it. Who knows? Maybe he needs it for February payroll. Would make sense, wouldn't it? Well, that that's this what makes, was created for them. That's what that makes Las Vegas attractive to them, too, because they're moving to such a small market. They're going to be on that dole for eternity. Well, it tells you, you know, small market is a metaphor. They, if, if, they, if it was year after year, we heard it's a small market. We can't compete here. It's a small market. We no, can't I get what you're here. saying about Oakland. And they're small going market. to a Las market Vegas. that's a quarter of the size of the yeah, Bay Area. Right. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, the, the coded language of the Bay Area being a small market. Las Vegas is legitimately a small market. It'll be the smallest market in the country to have three major league sports teams. Um, it's it, We go from number six, I think the Bay Area is, to number 40 to in Las Vegas right. in media markets. It is... Um, of the of the team or the markets that you mentioned earlier, Portland, Nashville, Charlotte, it's lower than all those. It's not even the biggest market left open for potential expansion. It's lower than all of them. And so I mean, they are the going to be they are going to be on revenue share forever. It'll be in the next CBA. They will they will manage to stay on this forever, which is the only way he makes money on this as as a, as an owner on this team. It begs the question of where do they go after this? If all those other markets are, as you accurately state, San Antonio, Charlotte, Nashville, Portland, um, Salt Lake City, if all those markets are larger or rather small, uh, larger than Las Vegas, still smaller than Bay Area, where do they go? What team, What city with a bigger market, with bigger TV, TV money to be had, with a bigger investment of public money possibly, will look at them, will give them the time of day. 
Well, this is kind of one of the things that, that has troubled me from the start of, of these discussions when Las Vegas became, you know, an apparent destination versus just something that people were kind of kind of rumbling about is it seems to me that it, now this is this is when we were previously hearing that the relocation fees were going to be waived. Now we're hearing that they may not be. I don't know that the person who said that in the meeting even knew what they were talking about. So you know, await, awaiting confirmation there. But mm. whether they are or whether they aren't, we know that a Las Vegas franchise expansion fee would be quite a bit higher than a relocation fee. Las Vegas being the bell of the ball right now, I it's, again, one of these things that does not, maybe I have a little tiny pea brain or something. It does not make sense to me why MLB and the owners would even consider approving an Oakland move to Las Vegas with or without a fee when we potentially have an expansion franchise in Las Vegas by 2030-ish or whatever and so much more money coming in and going straight into the pockets of the 29 other owners, the 30 other owners at that point, 31, I guess. Um, it, it doesn't make any sense. Why are they passing up all of the facts that don't add up? Why are they passing up all this money that would be going into their pockets that now is apparently not going to? Why would you move from market number six to market number 40? None of it make, why are you propping up an owner that, you know, sorry, you don't have enough money to run this franchise anymore. The last time that happened with somebody was when Frank McCourt lost half his you know, wealth to his wife and his divorce, and they made him sell. Why is this continuing to be a thing? It, it, why, why would why would MLB and and the other owners even consider approving this? It makes no well, sense. Because, like we were saying, that this sets a bad precedent for for owners to let this go through. Uh, forcing owners to sell also sets a bad precedent, and that's why it's you know it's painfully obvious that unless there's a divorce or a sexual impropriety or some racist comments coming from John Fisher, Manfred's not going to move on that. That is a pipe dream that we can hold on to forever, but we're going to be holding on to it forever. I think you can also throw, if there is credible evidence beyond just our speculations as, as laymen on the outside, that Fisher doesn't have the money to support this team anymore, I think that should be a precedent to sell. If you can't afford to keep your team afloat, it's bad for all baseball if if a team goes bankrupt. You know, so I I said it once before that they should be forcing uh Fisher. It can be private, maybe they have privately, but he should be forced to open the books and be like, Can you even get a, a one billion dollar stadium? Can you even get the the capital needed to build the stadium in the first place? Um there's been some comments in the in the comments section. Greg says, has anyone seen Casey Pratt's latest video? He advocates passing SB 509, then Fisher sells the A's franchise name to a buyer group in Oakland. And with the profits, he owns an expansion team in Vegas. I made that suggestion three weeks ago. I've been kind saying of similar, kind of similar. I, I'm not sure how, how many folks out there remember the background of how the San Jose Sharks came into existence. It was a whole situation with the Minnesota North Stars and the ownership there. And the, it, it, it wound up being basically that the that the North Stars were sold and the, the 
owner there got the sharks essentially you know there there's there's some precedent ancient history of course being you know the early 90s but things like that you know it, it seems like well i mean if john fisher and his folks uh can throw everything at the wall to see what sticks why can't uh mlb and the decision makers and and us out here you know trying to think of solutions to this mess Oh, definitely. I mean, that's the whole reason I started this thing was just for yeah. people to sit here and complain and brainstorm and get all your crazy conspiracy theories out. And so far, none of them have been crazy. You know, it's I mean, some of them might be some of them might be a little far fetched, but I mean, it's like you can still point to actual evidence that we've seen in media reports. Um, I haven't watched Casey's video that Greg referenced, but I wrote a thing a few weeks ago and I said, you you tell Fisher, look, this is not going the way you want it. You, you're you're just horrible PR. You need to distance yourself from the A's name. Sell the team to somebody in Oakland. We'll give you – he can sell it for probably a billion and a half dollars at this point. I think the last uh, the last Forbes thing had him at like 1.2 or 1. 1.4, or something like that. So you say, sell it for a billion and a half. We'll give you the expansion team in Las Vegas for a billion. So he's still got a pony up something. All the teams still get some expansion team, but he's getting it at half price. And then he can keep that point four and pocket that or build the stadium with it or whatever he wants to do with it, you know. And then he gets the expansion team. Oakland stays in Oakland. So you don't have to worry about losing this market that they claim is valuable, but they also have done nothing to preserve. Um, and everybody's happy. Everybody wins. Everybody gets a little something. Everybody takes a little hit, you know. I don't know if Casey's uh, plan was similar to that, but that was my idea. It was just, I mean, it would take some finagling. There might be a thousand things in the CBA that I'm not aware of that would prevent that from happening. Um, but, you know, that's what we're here for is, is crazy stuff like that. Don't his SEC filings show very plainly that he controls $470 million in liquid assets presently. That's not a conspiracy. That's on numbers on a piece of paper. Yeah, but that's only, only relevant. That's only relevant to his gap holdings, though, right? No, that's relevant to his total cash holdings, according to the SEC, is because of the tank that Gap stock went in starting with in 2020, that it said 470 million dollars cash assets. Now that doesn't, you know, say anything about the Modigliani's that are hanging on his wall. That doesn't say anything about no. the earthquakes, the A's. That's beyond that. It's just very telling. The whole situation is very telling that. We've had 18 years of this, 18 years of projection, 18 years of relying on the wider world that's never been west of the Mississippi to equate Oakland with broke, to equate, equate Oakland with a lack of will, wealth, impetus, momentum, whatever it takes to build stadiums and make this happen. And as it turns out, after 18 years, who turned out to be the broke one? I mean, that's the question. Yeah. And I can't believe that Las Vegas legislators could look at a portfolio such as his and his track record with the San Jose earthquakes and can come to any other discernible conclusion than that. My guess is they have not looked at his track record with the team or the earthquakes. Uh, he walks in there and say, I own two major sports teams. That's that's enough for them. 
Well, then they fail to educate themselves as alleged uh, representatives of their constituents in their districts, and they should be voted out and castigated at every and the earliest opportunity, in my opinion. I mean, they, they probably should, but it's not going to happen because every, every uh, person that voted for the Las Vegas Raiders that went up for re-election got re-elected, and one of them became the governor. You're you right. Know? I'm not going to say you're wrong. <laughs> it's like I'm in not, a perfect, you know, in a perfect world. But... You know, in a world that was governed by justice, anything I just said would have any kind of play. I know I'm well aware after 56 years on the earth that it doesn't. So, yeah. yeah. I do. I do wonder if there's going to be something in writing with regards to a required investment in the team once they commit X amount of money to to public money to building a stadium or anything outside the box that we might not have seen before, but that there's certainly call to see now in terms of, uh, you know, you agree that you're going to keep the payroll at X percent of league average uh, or or something along those lines. You know, I, I really wonder what all the, all the page 143 details are in whatever deal comes out of this, uh, this situation wherever they are really because if well, there's public money going to them in, in any form in oakland whether it's you know fronted or or what have you uh, i'd want to see that in there as well it definitely should because they have provisions in there that you have to maintain a world-class facility which is vague but it's something um and it's that's the same clause that is put the brewers in the position they're in right now uh which they should the, las vegas should be looking at that too the fact that when MLB MLB let the Brewers Stadium get a half a billion dollars into disarray before they said anything, yeah, and now they're scrambling to to, to have to 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 come up with that money and all that to to maintain their 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 uh, their promise and their contract. So I don't think it would be out of left field totally for them to say you need to maintain uh, a, a top fifteen payroll. Or whatever, you know, like you need to be investing this much because if 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 they're the landlords, right? Bally's is or whoever owns Bally's, I forget the the GLPI or whatever it's called. Um, you're the landlord. When I go rent an apartment, they want to look at my financials. They want to know that I can cover three months rent, and they can, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It would be the exact same thing if they said you can you can rent our place but you need to keep the grass mowed and you need to keep, you know, the garbage pulled back by noon. It's the exact same thing. So I think you, you, you're on to something. I don't know if it would happen at this point because it's so late in the session, but it would have been wise of them um, to force that into the legislation to say, you need to, you need to not, we're never letting you be below a number 15 payroll. As my grandma used to say, from your mouth to God's ears, but it doesn't work that way. I was going to say, and just make the point as you're talking, it occurs to me, if you guys, that if the 200 million, 250, whatever we added it up to, that they spent to stay in Oakland in the years past, if that's true, then, well, then they spent more money on, on lobbyists in the last six weeks than they spent in 18 years on free agents. Well, that's true. And well, I and, don't want and, that to be true, but and, and investing—if that's true—I mean, if we're going to take Dave Cavill at his word, which, mm, but you know, if that's true, you spent all that money to get that close, and you walk away from it and start over again. I mean, that just 
swings the tail back around pointing at John Fisher not having the ability to carry mm-hmm. out the plan that he had on paper in Oakland. Um, you know, which brings us back to, gosh, that's something maybe somebody should look at. They call it the rush to judgment, and that's what we're witnessing. You know, if I want to say, I mean, I hate to say it. I hate to have to say this. I hate to say everything that I'm saying, but eventually it's going to have to be said that this ownership in the last 18 years by tool of fraud, intentional deception, incompetence, and basic, generic, easily discernible malfeasance has caused an, an unmeasurable, unquantifiable impact of emotional, fiscal, economic trauma upon its customer base, particularly the season ticket holders. And if this goes through, I hate to say this, but the idea should be one prong of the attack should be a class action lawsuit on behalf of Oakland Athletics season ticket holders of the last 18 years. And the receipts for the fraud can be brought to the table and he should have to pay because this is an unquantifiable emotional trauma among multiple people that I know for decades whose kids are climbing up the walls about it, who's having their heart ripped out and shown to them before they die. And there has to be some pushback on people like this. There has to be some unprecedented maneuver that says, I need to be compensated for the intentional trauma that your lives put us through in the last 18 years. So I'm going to float that right now. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, obviously, but I think uh, it would be tough to sell to a judge. Because Maybe, just but turn, there has to be something. Gonna, yeah, they're going to turn back and go, well, you paid them for that abuse. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I really wish... And, you know, it seems like it's wishful thinking at this point because there's so much that has gone on with no answer to it since the talks broke down with City of Oakland. I really wish that these potential purchaser folks that we hear just rumors about, if there's actually potential ownership groups ready to start having a conversation whenever John Fisher wants to sell the team. I wish somebody would go public. And we've heard over the years from like the Clorox folks and things like that, you know, where there's been, you know, efforts to try to convince folks that yeah, Oakland is where they should be. I would love someone to step forward right now who has the means to actually do the job better than John Fisher has and, and say publicly, put him on the spot. I have a group ready with X amount of dollars, ready to purchase the A's and ready to close the deal at Howard Terminal and keep the A's in, in Oakland. I, I would love to see that right now. I think it, it was Casey Pratt that said there were, he could name four. It might've been yeah. somebody else, but he seems to be kind of the most vocal and informed on this right now. I get think in, say he can name get four in front of a camera. Yeah, get in front four. of a camera. Tell the tell the world. The the louder and the more the 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 higher amount of noise that there is about this is how this franchise in Oakland is going to get saved at this point. Um, I've been floating all kinds of stupid ideas on Twitter, including like hijacking the all-star game, like just fans stuffing the ballot box, all A's doesn't matter. Nick Allen's hitting 100, who cares? (laughs) You know, 
you get as many A's on that field to start the all-star game and, and have it known that it's a protest, um, you know, things like that. Potential ownership groups getting out in front of a camera and saying, hey, this is important. This means a lot to this community. It's jobs. It's identity. Get out there and do something to the extent that folks can. I mean, I live in Fresno. I drive up for games. I, I'm not local. It does not break my economic situation if the A's aren't in Oakland. I can fly to Vegas. Doesn't doesn't break my bank account or or cost me jobs or anything like that. It breaks my heart is what it breaks. And that's the case for so many folks more so living there, living in the Bay Area, we've we've got to do something. There's gotta be something that can be done even at this stage, even if John Fisher says the team's not for sale. The louder we are, people will hear. That's why I love the idea of the protest game. I'm going to be up there myself. And, and I know that that is going to have an impact, at least for the 24-hour news cycle. Yeah. You know, all of those things have to keep happening in order for something to possibly break in our direction. I actually like your idea of stuff in the All-Star. Like, if you could... The, the, <laughs> The thing is, is like fighting, fighting isn't really going to do anything. You need yeah. to make it embarrassing mm -hmm. because exactly the billionaires, the billionaires don't care what us poors think. They're, they're not bothered by us protesting or whatever, but if it becomes an embarrassment, then they'll start listening. You know, so like that idea of, of if we can get seven A starters on the all-star team, like we did back in 2014, maybe we got something here that, you know, that, that would be round the clock coverage on MLB network and stuff, mm -hmm. you know? Unfortunately, that's really, you know, as about likely to happening, given that there's 29 other cities with 29 other stars. That's you. You, you got to get you got to get them all into it. I mean, it's like uh, we got we got Eric Sogard almost to the face. of yeah. MLB. We can do anything. <laughs> it, it, it's it's exactly that. But, uh, you know, on uh, turned up to 11, you yeah. know, but but that's the whole thing is we've seen those cell shirts in other cities mm -hmm. there is a building amount of um frustration from other fan bases nobody wants to even fans of you know other teams they don't want to see their team coming into oakland and you know just having a punching bag to beat 10 to 1 every night nobody that's not good for the game it's not competitive it's the way that the team's being run. We haven't really talked about on the field. The way the team's being run on the field, it, which isn't going to change in Las Vegas, it's an embarrassment to competitive sport. And if you're not going to put a product on the field and you're not going to put a product, uh, build, a, build a brand identity that anybody wants to be a part of, you're not going to make any money. What are we doing? Why are we here? You know, especially if you're John Fisher, it, it doesn't make any sense. And that's uh, all I want. Ultimately, you know, and, and I mentioned I'm a, I'm a traveling fan. I'm not, you know, I'm not walking across the street to the Coliseum. All I want is for somebody to make it make sense. Give me some legit numbers and say, look, this is the reality. Here's the all the paperwork to back it up. This is why we're doing this. We have to. We don't have a choice. If that's the case, I get it. 
you can't tell me that the last 20 years of mismanagement haven't led us here. And, and, you know, there's no excuse for a lot of the way that this club has been run during the time that the Fisher group has owned it. it. There's just no excuse for it. It's one of those things. If you were to stop and think about in the 18, 19 years, he's owned this team um, while he had his, you know, his minority uh, president running around trying to get stuff built in two other cities. If at any point in those 18 years, how many times uh, there have been moments where if he would have just opened up his wallet and put $30 million into the payroll, just say, Hey, you know what here, Billy, here's 30 million bucks. Do with it what you will. How many times in his tenure that could have changed everything for this team? You know, how many times they've come close under his tenure? Because like I always say, Billy Bean and David Force have inadvertently given him a free pass because they're so yeah. good at their jobs that it made it look okay that you didn't have a great payroll. You're going to the playoffs every year. But how many times it's like if you would have just done a little bit more, all this would have been settled because you'd be swimming in money. You know, you'd have those 25,000 seat Tuesday nights if you're coming off a World Series. You know, all it took was a little bit of investment. And, you know, I told Dave Cavill to his face. I said, if I ran a business and it was failing, I have two options. I can either close up shop and leave, or I got to go into my personal bank account and put in some money and get the marketing going and get new products in the shop and all that kind of stuff to do whatever I can to, to get the ship righted. What I can't do, what is not an option, is for me to go, you know what? My business sucks. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to cheap out on the products and charge you more and tell you that it's great and try to convince you that this is the way everybody does it. You can't get away with that in any other business. And he's gotten away with it for nearly two decades now. It's important to say the name of Billy Owens, not just Billy Bean and David Forrest. That's the true. driving force of the last 20 years in terms of the scouting and the player development that has catapulted this franchise against itself, against its own marketing or lack mm -hmm. thereof, against its own pronouncements, its own scheme, has been Billy Owens. Now you could talk to you could talk to Kim, my guest from last week, for 10 hours about their scouting department and how how strong that 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 group of people has been for a long time since even before Fisher. I wanted to say something about something that John said hmm. about. Let's embarrass them. I don't think I'm of the belief. Unfortunately, I'd like to be. I want to believe. But for me, it's much as uh, the uh, activist Kwame Touré once uh, was criticizing nonviolence, the nonviolent aspect, saying that in order for nonviolence to work, your enemy, your opponent, has to have a conscience. I don't know that subsidy capitalists like John Fisher, who've been given every single opportunity in their lives and failed at every single one from the jump who were, if they weren't gifted the gap, bequeathed the gap by their parents, they wouldn't be qualified in all realistic terms to make your slushy at 7-Eleven on the night shift. I don't know that people like this have grown up to be people that can be embarrassed. I think as long as they, they see that money at the end of the rainbow and it's your money and not theirs, there's no amount of bad publicity that they're willing to go through. No, Fisher definitely can't them. be embarrassed. I mean, if Fisher could be embarrassed, his own management of this team would be embarrassing to him. 
Yeah. yeah. Like I go back to, uh, I just watched the last one last night. You go back to Ted Lasso, right? And in that first season, uh, she's trying to tank the team. So she gets this bad manager to, to come in and do it. And there's a scene when they haven't sold out. So she says, open it up to the visiting team. And he's like, we're going to have more visiting fans here than, than we, you know, than home fans. And she's like, open it up because she's trying to tank. And I think when I said we should embarrass him, I was get Fisher out of the equation. You can't embarrass him. The guy has no shame. He has no backbone. He's got no nothing. But if, if you start making the all-star game or a playoff series, or even just a regular game in Minnesota about another team, that's not even necessarily playing there, right? Like you're seeing sell shirts at games that the A's aren't even playing at just, you know, fan support and stuff at other markets. If that voice got loud enough, um, there's an ego component to it that, that it's not so much embarrassment, I guess might've been the wrong word, but it's a bruised ego where they come around and they go, Hey, Manfred, I'm tired of everybody talking about these losers, right? I got a team that's, that's a 600 winning percentage right now. And the news is being monopolized by a team that's going to be the worst record in, in baseball history. Right. That might be when it's when it hits their egos, because it's not going to hit their pocketbook. There's nothing you can do that'll hit their pocketbook um, because we're dealing with billionaires and we could not go to another game forever. And it's not going to affect a baseball owner's bottom line. But if it starts hitting their ego where I'm not getting the attention I deserve because this idiot down here is is getting all the attention because he can't do anything right. Then maybe you'll see the ownership start to turn on him. But, you know. They are billionaires, and billionaires are a tight fraternity. Well, as I and, believe and, it was said in the comments. Yeah, and it's it's not even so much about embarrassing Fisher or even embarrassing the other owners. It's it's about the public relations nightmare that is a team that is on pace to be pretty much the worst team in the history of modern history of organized professional American sports. Uh being the front page headline for any period of time, especially in, in terms of the all-star game, especially at one of your marquee events that you are banking on it being a showcase of Mike Trout and Bryce Harper and, you know, Shohei Otani and, you know, your, your stars. And when it comes to pass that that's not the story, uh, you know, and we've, we've seen the, the, the irritation throughout the years. I remember Bud Seelig getting irritated. I think it was at the all-star game with questions from the media about the A's stadium situation. It, you know, it, it's when it starts to get under the skin of the real decision makers in the sport, there's bound to be action. And, you know, maybe I'm. Maybe I'm a dreamer. I don't know. But I, I, I think if you can make the case and you can continue to be loud, they're at, at minimum going to have to start making this make sense. Should hang some signs at every road game. Same signs. Oh, 100%. We should we've be got reaching fans out in to most people, you know? You've got fans in every market. There's not a single away game where a cameraman can't point a camera at an A's fan in the stands. You know, they are there. And actually, I've been to away games. The A's have historically traveled pretty well, you know, for being this team that, you know, they like to rag on for for not selling out their stadium all the time. 
you go i went to a game in colorado last season i think uh whatever the last time they played in colorado was and uh there's ace fans all over the place you know they travel well so like yeah there's plenty of people to get signs going in the uh on the away team and i there was a night or two ago on twitter there was a fan from minnesota who had become like she'd she'd adopted her A's fandom, you know, so it's like they, they other fans see it, but if the other fans don't say anything, the owners don't care, right? If there's no heat, they're not going to get out of the kitchen, you know? I don't know. I don't know that there's heat applicable to people like this. I don't know that these people aren't so dysfunctional, so monofunctional, that the only thing they think about, care about, close their eyes at night and open them in the morning thinking about, dreaming about, is those dollar signs and how much of yours they can put in their offshore Cayman account. Yeah. And that's really the reality of it. I really feel like it's got to be really emphatic what these people, this is 18 years. This is the slowest motion, most agonizing relocation of a sports franchise that will ever be in the history of the human species. If you think about it, the Texas Rangers built a stadium outgrew it, tore it down, and built a new stadium in the time it's taking the A's to get their, their so second the stadium. Braves. Yeah. Braves, yeah. For, for yeah. their second stadium in Oakland in 60 yeah. years. Um, that, that comment from, from Samuel Vegas that you had up there a moment ago, um, if that's true, if the majority of the MLB has owners that, that are just like Fisher, that think like him, that act like him, then, then what's most important to them is money. And it should not make sense to them to sacrifice the money that would be going into their pockets from a Las Vegas expansion franchise. It does, should not make sense to them to sacrifice the money that's going to be uh, a situation where there's more coming out of their pocket for revenue sharing once the A's are in Las Vegas than there is in Oakland. It shouldn't make sense to them either. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to a lot of us. It shouldn't make sense to them. And at minimum, all we need really is 25% of them to go, huh, no, nah, I'm not crazy about this idea and vote no on the expansion. And then it doesn't go through. At I least. Think, I think to your point too, they should be pissed about the relocation fee wave. Right. I mean, it's not, it's not as substantial obviously, but if the Yankees were relocating, do you think Manfred would waive their fee? Not a, not a chance. You know, like it, they're only doing this for the A's. No other team's going to get this option. So if I'm another team, uh, and the guy at the hearing said it was going to be 300 million, I have not heard a single estimate that was below 500 million yeah. for a, a relocation fee. Again, what still, numbers can you trust? Yeah. But that's I, I, still $17 million per team that they're yeah. just giving to the A's essentially, you know, by not making them pay it. We also have to go ahead. If it doesn't make sense, as John and both are saying quite accurately, I can't argue with it. No one can. None of this makes sense. None of this makes sense. Where is the sense? Show me how it makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, then you have to begin to search for some ulterior impetus for this. Well, that's what I'm saying. Begin to look under rocks that you might not necessarily aren't palatable. That might not be pleasant to look under. There, what? there no, maybe MLB doesn't want Oakland and doesn't want primal drumming before every at bat and every conceivable race, color, creed, and orientation uh-huh. in every seat in every section from diamond level to the 330 fun zone. Maybe they don't want that. Maybe they want nice, homogenous, bougie, controllable, 
personal seat license paying dupes and rubes. I mean, it's possible, but then why do they let the Angels play where they play? I mean, it's, these are all very good questions. The Angels have been threatening to, you know, uh, move yeah. to Long Beach, whatever, for a number of years. I mean, because like, like I, haven't, Angels... I haven't been to the Angels Stadium in probably 15 years, but last time I was there, it didn't feel that different than going through Oakland. You know, it's not. It was it's like built in 1961. Older, yeah, it's an older stadium in an older neighborhood that, you know, it doesn't have a ballpark village built up around it, you know, but it's got a train station 100 feet from the. Mm-hmm. <laughs> front gate yeah it, it it's it's a very similar situation just no mount davis to ruin it all mm-hmm. yeah no no raiders no cohabitation so before we start that's another job. one we got to talk about that remind Go me ahead. of that the irony the insanity the 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 mind frying eyeball destroying irony that they would complain for years, for decades. We can't share it with this football team. The Raiders are ruining the experience. We have to move from here because this football team, we're cohabiting. This not. This is outdated. We can't. There are no more dual-use stadiums. This has to stop. And they're going to go right, try to get the XFL to cohabitate with them? Really? Well, the thing, part of the reason the Raiders moved was because the A's said they were going to build on that site. That you can't build a park here because we've still got a lease and we're going to build our next stadium here. That's Mark Davis's claim, yeah. If if I was Mark Davis, um, I would have more hair, but it would be probably a downgrade <laughs> still. Um, but if I was Mark Davis, I would be so spiteful. I would actually start campaigning to get those 25% of the owners that you need to, to, to kill re- relocation. Like I would, I would be lobbying. Forget Vegas. Vegas is bought and paid for. I would be lobbying hard on all the teams in Southern California, Arizona, maybe even the Rockies. They're still close enough. Um, any team in the National League that competes against the Giants, who will now become a a, a, a major player as far as market value goes, all of that, I would be campaigning day and night to get them to vote no on it, just out of spite. Also, any cities nearby like Salt Lake that will now not get expansion because Vegas gets this. Oh, and that's the thing. It takes it takes it takes uh, Salt Lake out. It takes Oakland. Somebody was trying to tell me on Twitter, oh, they should just give up and then Oakland can get the expansion team. And I've told people a thousand times now, Oakland will be they will have to expand the league to 40 teams before Oakland's on that list again. Yeah. It, it's not they They're are not, not going to turn around and give Oakland the expansion team next. Right, especially when you've got people who are actively working in Salt Lake, Nashville, and Portland right now to get it done. Um, but it, yeah, it takes that off. It might hurt Portland's chances. It, I don't know. It, I don't know. And then what do you do with the Rays? Are they going to relocate too and take another expansion? Because now you've set the precedent that if you can't get it done, just move. That's going to take another expansion market out. Can you imagine being fans of the Rays? They have the best record. Can you imagine that? And they, they, they can't even enjoy it because these people are like sharks swimming in the water, and the blood mm-hmm. in the water is the public money in any city. Samuel Samuel Vegas, who every time he pops into the chat, I'm reluctant to share it because of his last name, but I will forgive him. 
But he says, I think MLB wants public money. San Francisco Giants, from what I read, are one of the only builds that didn't need public money. And they didn't ask. And that's the thing is they they don't want – I've seen other people float this idea, and I think they're all right. They don't want to set the precedent that if you ask for public money, you don't get public money. You know, the Giants yeah, we just had a did saying it. about that. Mm. When, when I used to fundraise in nonprofits, we had a saying. It's very applicable. You don't get what you don't ask for. Exactly. And mm -hmm. this commissioner and the one that preceded him, they want to ask. They don't even want to ask. They want the question to be implicit to the argument. They want you to offer $500 million to, to, be, to be allowed to kiss the ring. They want your half a billion dollars. They don't want to have to ask. Mm -hmm. So that's been the last two commissioners, yeah. But you see public sentiment, obviously, with the Coyotes down in Arizona, but um, – you see the public sentiment turning where it used to be you would obviously have people that were not uh, favorable to the idea of public funds going to it, but it was largely a, just a done deal. It was a rubber stamp, you know, but now you're to the point where these stadiums are costing a billion, a billion and a half, $2 billion. Those dollars, the, that public subsidy is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And you see, you're seeing the public turn and go, you know what? We really don't get any return on this. You know, it's like I said at the top, the only community benefit that the A's are offering, they don't even need to start paying until 15 years from now. And even then it's, if things go well, and if there's any money left over, then we'll throw some at the homeless. That's not a community benefit. And that's certainly not going to recoup their expenses. And they also don't, and this is something that if I was on the Nevada legislature, I would have brought up, but they don't factor in when they talk about all the jobs that are created and the job number that they threw out was ridiculous because they are counting uh, jobs that are already there partially because they're, they're the way he was explaining it is if, if, uh, if I bought a car, and drove it through a McDonald's drive-thru and the person that helped me, that job was a benefit of me buying that car. And it wasn't. That guy's working there whether I go in this new car or the car I'm currently driving or if I don't go at all. That guy's already – so that job shouldn't count. But they also don't count the increased security that's going to be a city bill, the wear and tear on the infrastructure that's going to be a constant city bill. Like there are other expenses that the city's going to be, the A's are never going to come back and go, you know what? The sidewalks in front of our place are tore up and, and, you know, we need more uh, sheriffs in front, you know, to direct traffic and all that. They're never going to come out and volunteer to pay for it. Those are city expenses that are going to come in, in perpetuity forever. So yeah, it might be a job, but it's not necessarily a job that the A's are paying for. You know, it's going to be a city jobs that the county and the city and the state are going to have to be paying for. And that never gets brought up even though you know they're factoring in, well, this is all great because all these people are working, but it's not a direct result of, half of them aren't a direct result of the stadium in the first place because they are there regardless. And then the other, you know, and then a few of the others will be, like I said, jobs that the city's going to have to, the taxpayers are going to have to pay for it anyway. So that's, a, that's a, not a net benefit in my book. I don't know. It's not intended to be. Again, these numbers are propaganda. When you're dealing mm -hmm. with multi-super-duper subsidy capitalists like this who are, in a sense, I hate to brand people this, but uh, my friend of mine used to call them corporate communists. Uh, harsh capitalism for you, subsidies, socialism, handouts and subsidies, and 
uh, luxury tax uh, revenue sharing for them, that there's really, it's not possible. Like they don't, they don't respond to anything but this. They don't respond to anything but the public dole. And again, the, these commissioners, the people who are supposed to be the stewards, I don't think they care to be the stewards of it. I think they care to get as much money for themselves and their friends as they can make the situation produce. Yeah. And that's what's changed in the last 25 years, not just in this situation of American sports, but really in the whole of American socioeconomic culture in the broad sense. Am I, I wrong? Think, no, you're not. And with sports teams, it's become like a corporation where you have to have growth every year to appease the shareholders. So breaking even doesn't count. Taking a hit doesn't count you know like sustainability that, doesn't count no yeah exactly and it's like so where maybe taking a hit this year to get a world series next year is still seen as a loss because these people don't care about the scorecards or any of that if it's not bringing them in a little bit more profit than it did the year before it's an arrow they base it upon what they are entitled to and we've lived through 50 years where these this brand of person, this super subsidy capitalist person has seen their arrow go up and up and up and up the chart at a certain rate that they now feel entitled to. So they are going to manipulate whatever the content and the context of the situation with which they are confronted, whatever it is, whether it's a sports stadium in another city, whether it's building a hospital on somebody's property, whether it's whatever you can name, they are going to engineer it to produce these results. They are going to make it effectively run on the tracks of my arrow is going to keep going up and up and up. And if that means I have to take everything from you, that's too bad. Yeah, because every arrow that's going up has an arrow, a corresponding arrow of somebody else's that's going down. Way down. Samuel asks, what do you guys think of California Governor Newsom being so silent? Nevada's Lombardo is very involved. Uh, oh boy well lombardo it's definitely a, a pet project of his he uh, wants that legacy of having added something to the strip um and and he's being involved with the legislature that's that's uh dominated by the other party they've got a, a super majority in one house and i think i saw like three or four people shy of a super majority in the other house for the opposing party so the, he's pushing hard for this because he knows it's going to be hard to get anything else uh with uh, an opposition legislature as for Newsom, I don't know really what he could do. Yeah. I mean, short of doing a press conference to call out Manfred. I don't really know what he could do. There's it, it, And it seems like it would be kind of low on his ledger in terms of uh, priorities. Also. I, I, I mean, it's a, it's a major company leaving the state of california but ultimately it's not a huge amount of a huge number of jobs it's not a huge number of you know it, with what's been done to the brand being real it's the a's if it were the giants leaving we might hear something if it were the dodgers leaving we might hear something <laughs> it's the they have done so much to damage this brand. It's, you know, under, I, I, don't, I don't even know how many people are employed based on the A's being in Oakland. But realistically, Governor Newsom's got better things to do, bigger things to worry about. Um, 
And Lombardo, yeah, he, he obviously wants them there because he's been probably fed the line that we're, we're going to do it different when we get to Nevada, I promise. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, yeah. No, there was a story I retweeted. Somebody mentioned it in the in the comments like three hours ago. But there was a story I retweeted about somebody who worked uh, at, at the Bakersfield minor league team. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Did 2008 you, story. Yeah. Yeah. Where basically Cavill came in and, and said that the fans don't matter. And if you if you put a jersey on that kind of looks like a Dodgers jersey, that's just enough to keep the Dodgers fans engaged in your game. And it's really everything else is secondary and not important. And that, you know, you could charge them a little bit more and and uh, capitalize course, on that on that nostalgia without actually putting out that product. Yeah. We haven't sensed that kind of dismissive uh countenance from these people in 18 years no not at all no and that that story was surprising and yet not at all surprising no not at all but you know and and i will say having having frequented bakersfield quite a bit sam lynn ballpark is one of those old treasures from a bygone era yes it's the home plate is facing in the wrong direction and they have to start games after the sun goes down and you know just all kinds of quirks and what have you that 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 if you haven't if you're in that part of the state and you get a chance to go see an independent league ball game uh i recommend it you know there there's there's nothing wrong with 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 that situation down in bakersfield they they they, um they don't have class a ball anymore they've got the uh the independent league team they're the train robbers who are, by the way, wearing white jerseys with blue script across the chest that says Bakersfield. So ultimately, Dave Cavill got his wish. <laughs> yeah, the guys with the money are the ones that look like they have it usually do. You might have noticed. Yeah. Sad to say. So before we started, Josh, you said that you had an idea. Did you did you slip that in yet or? Yeah, I, I, I was talking. Well, there's many ideas. A class action lawsuit. I mean, I ha- this is it's emotional trauma. This mm-hmm. isn't the Montreal Expos, you know. This isn't, you know, this has taken place over decades. I know people who are physically and emotionally destroyed over the course of this, who have invested, rightly or wrongly, you know, their life energy into stuff to do with this. And I just can't see how that doesn't qualify under a standard of intentionally delivered, fraudulent, emotional trauma. That it's not that they just picked up like Art Modell and moved. One year they were here, one year they were there. This is a slow motion suicide that they've implemented intentionally with lie after lie after propagandistic lie since we were little. I was talking to my friend the other day. I was saying, remember Fremont when we were young? Remember when we were young people and they tried to move to Fremont? I mean, that's 17 years ago. That's hard to believe. 17 years of trauma. 17 years of, oh, you know, people in Nebraska, it's Oakland. You know, Oakland. You know what's in Oakland, right? And to use it again and again, and it's such a third rail that no one even wants to say the toxicity of the propaganda that these people have peddled, it has to meet a standard that no other sports relocation has ever even approached for P 
pure sociopathy. And if there's an idea, short term, I would like to reach out to anyone who will hang signs in any venue that say Fisher out, Hell a Cell, you know, whatever the, the, the meme du jour is, whatever's clever, I'm all about it. But that's the short term. But a long term solution has to be exploring some pro bono legal advice to see if the people who've been intentionally have misrepresented to their customers like no other product in the history of American capitalism, you cannot name one, that they should be compensated for this guy's intentional and malfeasantly implemented fraud over a generation. Sorry, I get angry. <laughs> That's what we're here I for. I really do get very angry. Going back a second, little uh, Samuel says, letting an MLB franchise leave your state is still a massive loss. It's not the Warriors moving to San Francisco. To be blunt, I won't vote for him if he stays silent. He should hold a press conference uh, and call BS. I think that's least, about all he could do is call BS on it. Yeah, I don't think there's do really – and that's and that's that would be perfectly reasonable in terms of uh, you know him saying something about this being an unfortunate situation that he hopes is resolved with them staying here and that you know it's you know he's going to offer his support to do whatever he can to you know help make that happen or what have you you know it, it's all going to be empty coming from politics anyway um, but for appearances' sake yes he should say something. I think um, as far as litigation goes, Oakland might have a case because they had supposedly had a mediator and a, mm -hmm. and a, and a deal not to go public with anything. And then the A's obviously breached on that. Um, I think Oakland, their silence right now might be because they're waiting to see how things play out in Vegas. Cause the second that legislation gets passed, all of a sudden they can say, look, not only were they dealing in bad faith with us, but they went out and got money from another community that was less than we were offering, you know, better, worse deal than we were offering. If they can get that, you know, solidified, they might have better standing. So I think there's litigation potential there. Um, you can't really sue a company for taking their business elsewhere. So like, I don't know if the state of California has any leeway there, but if, if you could go to MLB and, try to sue them to stop the move. Um, or if Gavin Newsom was to pressure the four other California teams, that gets you almost to your 25% you need to, to halt the relocation. You know, he could apply pressure to his own people or say, look, if the, if you guys pull the A's out of here, um, I'm not letting any, any of our teams host the All-Star. I don't really know what kind of power he would have other than. Could he approach. Sue. Hmm. I was going to say, could he approach, because um, there's this option of if there's enough money, this can be put on the ballot in front of Nevadans. Yeah. Can he be approached to work strings to gather a group together to fund that possibility and to put this in it. front of Nevadans? Because I think if you put this in front of everyday Nevadans, it loses and it loses big. No, that's exactly why they're rushing it through, because they don't want to give Nevada any time to... Uh to organize that kind of uh, uh, effort. I don't think another governor campaigning and, and contributing in that way publicly is probably doable. I didn't mean publicly at all. I meant just behind the scenes, get some rich people to fund that. Well, I mean, if, if that's possible, he might be doing that. You know, there is a lot, if you look, um, 
I forget who pointed out. I think it was uh, A's brand by design, but he was like, there are no hashtags in support of this proposition. Yeah. You know, like there's, there's no real presence other than the few trolls you'll get that think that this was a done deal three years ago for some reason. Um, There's not a lot of support for even the support at that hearing if you take out the trade unions who are, who have to support it, you know, they would support the stadium built there. They would support it if Tropicana just said we're going to build a new stadium. They would support yeah. if it was a parking lot. They, they will support whatever gets them construction jobs. That's their job as a trade union. But if you take them out of it, there was like, I don't know, two or three people speaking on behalf of the legislation and an hour and a half of people opposed. And I have a feeling that there were more people opposed because at one point I heard a gentleman tell the uh, chairwoman that they keep calling in. And when they got to the neutral section, people that were against were still on hold. So I think they just cut it off. There were probably more people calling, but it was like five to one uh, as far as time, you know, between the pros and the con or the cons and the pros with five to one. So there's definitely a, uh, a lack of public support if there is public support, it's not as energized as the public opposition. The, and the fact yeah. that the, the bill is, is got last I checked, it's like 20% favorability on their, on their own yeah. uh, poll. Whenever you follow the money, you have to say who benefits. And in this case, it's not Nevadans. Nobody benefits. The only, I'm telling you, the only people that benefit are the Giants and potentially John Fisher if he sells the team the minute this deal goes through? Yeah, and that would have to be that would have to be what his logical plan is here. I, I've assumed from the time that you know we were talking about still building in Howard Ter- at Howard Terminal being hopefully a sure thing that that is his plan. The moment the stadium's built, he's going to sell the team and you know, get out of the baseball business. Um, the baseball business will be better for it when he does, um, but hopefully the A's are still here when that happens. I, I don't know how that process can be rushed along for him, um, but that has to be something that that's, you know, the, the, I, the goal here, really. I'm not convinced that he'll even wait till first pitch. I think the second a deal gets done in Las Vegas – all of a sudden the team will be up because then he can come out and say, sure, my, you thought my team was worth 1.2, but I've got uh, a deal in Las Vegas that you can take. And I'm almost, I've practically got a deal in Oakland that you could take. You got two places you could build right now. It's yours. And that ups his value. I think if he gives it any time for people to see that the stadium's garbage, when they realize that they got to go domed because a semi-retractable probably won't fit there, or a couple years down the line when they're, you know, a hundred loser team, hundred game loss team uh, in Vegas, like all the longer he stays there, the less, less, uh, I'm not going to say valuable because it'll still be multi-billion dollar team, but the less attractive that is as an investment, right? Because he's going, he's got to be getting close to the apex of what he can ride to this. And I think having a deal in two cities is going to be the peak and then anything that progresses beyond that is only going to hurt him. He's got to dump it as soon as he's pumped it. Yeah. Right. It's a pump and dump. This is a classic, you know, 
maneuver of assets. It's nothing new. But it's not even you, a good one is the worst part of it. No, is no one's saying it is, but it's just that. That's all. <laughs> no one's it's saying like, it's good. These people even, don't produce good. No, it's like even what, when you're trying to do something, something that they have. Even even when you're yeah. trying to do something shady, you're not good enough to do a bad thing either. It's like you know. Yeah, it's the keystone cops of corporate subsidy capitalism. I keep saying when Casey Pratt writes a book about this and he gets all the inside information in 15 years, yeah. they're going to be teaching it in business schools about how to screw up a business. I, I was just going to say it's another Michael Lewis book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it, there, there's there's so much to learn here, but none of it is about how to do anything. It's all how yeah. not to do anything. <laughs> it's, it's your Moneyball sequel in reverse is what yeah. this is. It's a, it's a book about the Titanic to teach you how to avoid icebergs. <laughs> you know, a cautionary tale. King Midas um, in reverse. That's what these people are. Tombo Tuna says he's going to rug pull Vegas. I think that's what, possible. Yeah. What I else mean, could he, he do? In Oakland, you know. Mm. I think he means he's going to rug pull it and just hand it over to someone else. I, I think MLB wants baseball in Vegas. I mean, that's just something you could take away and say is certain that they want it there and they, they should want it there. I, I, I Look, as a fan of this, whatever, the Oakland Athletics, uh, I, I would be more than happy to see the Las Vegas get any of us, Tony, John, anyone listening within the sound of my voice, I'm sure would agree that they would like to see Las Vegas get an expansion team. And most of us would be more than, you know, thrilled to play them in the 2031 American League Championship Series. Las Vegas, you know Las Vegas wants an expansion team. They don't want mm -hmm. us. They want an expansion team. Yeah. The people that want baseball there do not want the A's. And I mean, for obvious reasons, look at what they're getting it it it, it continues to uh to boggle the mind look over at the what they're of, getting you need a microscope but look at what they're getting uh-huh over over the course of a week they went from having the, the uh, a pretty cool baseball park potential in a place that they in a location that was more convenient for locals that could be built around and then totally lost that so like the las vegas has already lost mm-hmm just like Fremont and San Jose did, Las Vegas has already lost one good ballpark just in the last month. It already lost the retractable roof. Take the because it doesn't fit on nine acres. So no. you've already lost that. And in Las Vegas, ha, I don't which have to they tell still, anybody what the temperature is. Which they still haven't owned up to. Well, why would they? Because they've got you know, renderings that, that are on thirty-five acres of land. Yeah, so those, they don't. Those, <laughs> yeah. How is this? How is anything moving forward without? a real architectural rendering, an actual architect working on the prod, uh, project, any anything concrete at all. It's like I said last week. It seems to me like not having renderings at all would have been better than having the right. renderings that they Absolutely. brought to the table. 100%. You know, that was just another another thing that was embarrassing. You know, And if I was the architect on it, and it's the same guy that did the Howard Terminal renderings, which seemed to be to scale of some degree, uh, I would have been embarrassed to have that go public because it, like, it looked like a bad AI generator. If you were like, hey, give me semi-retractable roof for the Oakland A's overlooking the MGM Grand. So you got Oakland A's field and the Wembley semi-retractable roof and the MGM Grand. And that's exactly what it turned up, you know? <laughs> Ginger, know who was... Uh, architect did that who is a, a longtime watcher but refuses to join me on this, uh, says it's got to have no name in the bill. 
in KCA's back out. Not only is it not team specific, it's not site specific. Uh, it's just got to be an un, un, the unincorporated is the only site designation, which there's plenty of unincorporated area down there they could choose. Um, yeah, it doesn't have to be the A's. They have, uh, I think, 12 months or whatever to back out of it without any penalty. And it's all contingent on MLB and the FAA approving. Now, the FAA will approve it. That's not, not going to be a, a headache. It's just going to be a time suck. But, you know, MLB is yet to be seen. But, yeah, the whole the whole language in the bill, why would the A's agree to a, to a legislation that they're not even named in? If this is such a great deal. Plausible deniability. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they call it plausible deniability. The, the men that have no names. Remember the X-Files when, mm-hmm. you know, Fox Mulder grabs Skinner and he says, you're going to tell me the cigarette smoking man's name. Who is he? Who's he working for? And, and Skinner looks at him and says, Fox, don't you understand? These men don't have names. These are the people that cannot be named. It seems clear. (laughs) Plausible deniability is how they're able to get away with this. There's a certain amount of credulity involved when anyone anywhere in America sees someone that either has money, has the propaganda to make it seem as if they have money, or if there's even the hint of the possibility of there's money. There's always a sycophant contingent that will gather around those people and that illusion and that appearance and give that person whatever they perceive they want or need just to have the illusion of being around money. And that's might be what's happening here. I hate to say it, but that's the truth. Very possible. And that's why I'm saying no conspiracy theory that I've heard is uh, super far-fetched because as weird as everything is, you can kind of like, well, that explains why they would do this. Uh, you have to look for alternative explanations if none in the world of reason at the surface can be found, no? Yeah. You got a team that has abandoned everything they thought they wanted. They have now put themselves on the same timeline or a longer timeline than they had in Oakland. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just beyond logic. Think of how they still have 35-foot signage all around the building, rooted, 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 that they're not even – they're so tone-deaf that they can't even go like, well, maybe we should think of another slogan now. Uh, you know, well, maybe, maybe, maybe somebody somewhere should be like, oh, it's called something else, you know. That's because they would have to pay a marketing team, and then they'd have to yeah. pay union yeah. guys to paint over the signs yeah. at the Coliseum. Like <laughs> – yeah, it would cost uh, someone's money that doesn't yeah. have any. I had a meeting uh-huh. with them in 2018, uh, about this time of year. It was like April or May, because I had pitched to Dave about doing uh, – they, they should have a house band. They had Championship Plaza. They had the Treehouse. So you should have a house band that plays every day, every home game, brings people in. They start drinking an hour ahead of the game in your ballpark instead of in the parking lot. Get some atmosphere out, gets, you know, create something. And of course, being me, I was pitching me as the 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 head of this band. Um, and I went and I talked to vice presidents and and I forget all the people I talked to. I was in Jack London Square doing meetings and throwing out numbers. And it all came to a crashing halt when they said, um, we'd have to hire stagehands to build the stage for you. 
which is true. They have to have, because it's a union house, you have to have union stage hands and union sound guys and stuff to haul up. But I said, well, you only have to do it if you take it down every night. Otherwise, you have somebody put it up on the first game and take it down on the last game. And and it's it's two days worth of work, you know, six hours of, of union work. It's not every day, but that's what it all came down to. Their, their reason, instead of just saying, eh, I don't think we can fit it in or I don't think it's a good idea or anything like that. Their, their official reasoning was because of the union stagehands would be too expensive to do. So this is was, why, yeah. why they're never going to paint over that sign. <laughs> I was told uh, long ago, or in this long ago, is it's getting longer and longer, that I was told by, uh, you know, who Chris Townsend is, right? He, he mm-hmm. goes to the post game and bring the A's cast and so forth. He told me once long ago that it was, what did he say? trying to remember exactly what he said uh i don't know i i can't remember exactly what he said but he was telling me that oh i remember what it was that the state that you know uh entertainment unions that put on shows in oakland california the you know congressional district nine oakland that those stagehands the union is more expensive than madison square garden in new york city i believe it i believe it yeah I was uh, I was on the board for the musicians union in Contra Costa County, and so I saw all the CBAs for the Bay Area. Because back then, it's not like this now, but back then, Contra Costa had a local, San Francisco had a local, San Jose had a local, San Leandro had its own local, um, and the San Francisco Symphony's base pay was higher than New York Philharmonic. Uh huh. I mean, look, the Bay Area. Let's not forget is the highest concentration of educated people and wealthy people in the United States and has been for 60 years. So very naturally, people get on the Bay Area. Oh, you can't build anything there. Too many regulations. California Environmental Quality Act, et cetera, et cetera. It holds a certain amount of truth, but it also holds a certain amount of indication that that real estate, there's no more valuable real estate, no more sacred real estate in terms of a human quality of life that can be assembled there than anywhere on Earth. And that needs to be, you know, you should always remember the Bay Area is like no other place on Earth and has regulations that speak to that. Maybe some people think it's a little over the top, but that's why it exists, because there's no other place like Northern California, especially. You can drive an hour and be in the Redwood Forest. You can drive another hour and be in the state capitol. You can drive another hour and be... Big Sur. So, and then you have everything that's in the Bay Area. Again, the highest concentration of educated and wealthy people in the U.S. So very naturally, the regulations are going to be a little stricter because everybody wants to be there. Nobody wants to pay, but everybody wants to be there. Again, very ironic that Fisher, like so many of us, like me, like a lot of other people that I know, they just can't afford to be in the Bay anymore. Rents are too high, yeah. Mm. I mean, well, with all that education and all that wealth, with all that education and all that wealth, that means there's plenty of uh, resources, cash, and brain power to figure this issue out. Mm -hmm. If the will were there to figure it out for justice in a way that ended justly, yes, but that's not how late capitalism works. And if I were to sit on here and indicate otherwise, 
I'd be lying directly to that camera. So I'm sorry. Was there anything we've forgotten to touch on for this week? Just get out on the 13th. I think there can be no understand, no overstating the need to be there on the 13th and to get a shirt and to make your voice heard, no matter how this comes out on Monday or tomorrow or whenever they decide it, get out on the 13th and have one more demonstration of why the Coliseum is as storied a sports venue as any that will ever exist in human history. And don't forget to join me here on the 12th when uh, we're doing just a good old trip down memory lane and, and having recollections of uh, good times we've had at the Coliseum or the ballpark or the people we've met along the way. I want, if we can get, I think I can record for 10 hours. If we get 10 hours worth of people, we'll put it out. And, uh, and you just, I'll, like I said, I'll give you more details, but everybody's welcome. We'll just pop in and I'll cycle through people and, and we'll, uh, we'll have like a group memory session or a therapy session or however you want to address it. Thank you gentlemen for joining me this week. It was a pleasure to meet both of you. I haven't met either. Thank you, Tony, for doing this. Of course. Thanks, Tony. And uh, for anybody else who uh, wants to get caught up on past episodes, you can of course watch them on this YouTube channel, or you can download the uprooted from Oakland podcasts, anywhere you get podcasts. And it's just the audio of exactly what we talked about tonight. All right. I will see you all next week unless something drastic happens and I see you tomorrow. Have a great night and uh, go Oakland. Ciao.